1: afternoon and welcome to authentic living with andrea matthews over the next hour you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns you'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life now here's your host andrea matthews
2: stop being so proud of mediocrity show some spirit that's a quote made by Socrates in Dan Millman's world-renowned, best-selling book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and it's my personal favorite. Marianne Williamson puts it this way, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're beyond, powerful beyond measure. In Dan Millman's book, Bridge Between Worlds, Black Elk, the noble Lakota Sioux, who wrote down his sacred visions and in so doing helped revive the sacred ways of his people, said this, I did not have to remember these things. They have remembered themselves all these years. The spirit we must show if we are to stop being so proud of our mediocrity is remembered within us at all times, demonstrating on a daily basis that we are powerful beyond measure. The problem isn't that it is not there for us to see. The problem is that we are not looking, or if we are, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. We're going to be talking about this pathway remembered within us today in our discussion with Dan Millman Most well-known for his best-selling books, including Way of the Peaceful Warrior, The Laws of Spirit, and The Life You Were Born to Live, Dan Millman educates us all in this deeply remembered path. His books have inspired millions of people in more than 20 languages, and as most of us know, his book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, has been turned into a movie, Peaceful Warrior, a breakthrough film that doesn't just inform the audience of a change in the lead character, but allows members of the audience to leave changed or reminded of who they really are. But before all that, Dan was a world trampoline champion, Hall of Fame gymnast, university coach, and college professor. This man has simply combined more than one lifetime into this one. His books and seminars have influenced people from all walks of life, including leaders in the fields of health, business, education, entertainment, and sports. And we are so fortunate to be able to talk with Dan Millman today. Welcome, Dan, to the Authentic Living Show.
0: Well, thanks, Andrea. After that wonderful introduction, I should just say, are there any questions? <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: right. Well, we have plenty of those for you. Well, oh, good. So let's just jump right in there. You know, one of the one of the quotes from your book is, the giant represents the source of all your woes. He is in your mind. I love that quote, and I wanted to talk first about that. Who is this giant that is the source of all of our woes?
0: Wow, where did I write that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was in The Peaceful Warrior.
0: Well, people have to understand, I, I The Peaceful Warrior came out in 1980. Absolutely. Oh, so it's been, what, 30 years now?
2: Yep, um, that's right. But so we're still talking about that giant in our mind, aren't
0: we? Really? Well, again, we, we, we know, every one of us knows that we create our own giants, our own demons. Uh, we get in our own way, and um, so often... You know, there's this is saying, we don't get what we deserve in life, we get what we negotiate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what we're willing to negotiate in our personal lives and our professional lives often depends on our sense of ourselves. Uh, and I don't mean some sense of entitlement or, you know, walking around, I deserve the best of everything. It's more a sense of appreciating our innate worth as human beings. And that's why, uh, that's one of the reasons that my friend Doug and I wrote this book, Bridge Between Worlds, to remind us of... Um, that, well, our lives and also um, daily life. The universe is more special than we usually imagine. In fact, there's, there's one a sentence. It's kind of a long sentence, but it's one sentence in our preface to Bridge Between Worlds. It says, Taken together, these stories remind us that we live in a more mysterious and perhaps more perfect universe than we usually notice. That unexplored territory remains hidden behind the seemingly mundane surface of our daily lives. And that undreamed-of possibilities may wait for us on the other side of the bridge between worlds. And, of course, we can get into what that all means. But um, there's an old proverb that said, God invented men and women because God loves stories.
2: (laughs) Hmm.
3: And
0: and, uh, so I want to emphasize, yes, as dramatic and interesting as the stories are in Bridge Between Worlds of various men and women across time, um, it's important that every listener appreciates his or her story as well. That's our treasure. And every story is valuable. Uh, we've all overcome adversity. And, uh, we've all had our turning points, our transitions, our changes, our disappointments. And we've grown stronger and wiser in the process. So these stories, in a sense, reflect all of us, even though they are certainly dramatic examples in many cases.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Our story is, is that is in fact, in some form, a bridge between the worlds, is it not? I would say so. Yep. One of the stories that you've got in the book is about a character named um, Sean Kilcoyne. Am I saying that name right?
0: Yes, you are.
2: Okay. And he speaks of the war in Vietnam as a source of a sacred wound as he's telling his his journey from drug and alcohol addiction after his stint in Vietnam to a leader of nationwide movement to heal thousands who suffer from PTSD through art and healing theater. What, what, what do you think he means by a sacred wound?
0: Well, in a sense, all are wounds. Um, you know, we've all experienced physical, emotional, or mental pain in our life, and where, where there's pain, there's usually some kind of wound. Now, I don't usually in my seminars. I'm pretty down to earth, and I don't talk. There are other teachers who, you know, that's their specialty area. They talk about the wounded healer and healing our wounds, and everybody's sick and we need to be healed. But uh, to me, everybody's doing just fine, whether it always feels that way or not, and that's part of the, the point that we make in the book. But in, in this particular story, a soldier's healing, um, Sean, of course, there are many, many Vietnam vets. We know what happened to them. They went because they had to, because they were expected to, because they, were, they wanted to make a difference, uh, and, and they
3: learned some very
0: hard lessons in a war that we look back on and, and with shaking our heads. Um, and many Vietnam vets will find out on the, uh, the streets of our cities around the country they were spit on when they came back. It was just a terrible, terrible time on many events. But in Sean's case, um, he, yes, he, he did go into the war, but he turned um, that that wound into, and, you know, he was in the culture of self-medicating drug abuse and um, his, to try to maintain his sanity of the nightmares that came to him. And he ended up... Um, Well, as described in the book, he said, I drank and did drugs and hung out in strange bars with guys who locked themselves in their rooms, ate only cabbage and worried about the FBI slipping microphones under their doors. Every day I woke up, got drunk and high. By late morning, I'd be on the floor howling under a mattress. I mean, this is what his life was like. Then one afternoon in 1978, as Sean walked aimlessly through the streets of San Francisco in a state of despair, he stopped. Now, this is such an ordinary moment. He just stopped at the curb for a red light on the corner of 9th and Market Street. And both the light and his life were about to change. Sean described what happened next. He said, I looked up and saw a young angel. Now, let me stop there for a moment and say, yes, many people report angelic visitations and images and visions. It's all very lovely. There are many ways we can generate kind of uh, images and, and visions in our lives. But what he saw, standing at the light, was a young angel six inches tall in white trousers, hovering in the air a foot off from his right temple. And this angel was bare-chested, had white wings growing out of his back, and held up a sledgehammer in his hand, which he pounded silently on an anvil. Then I saw an identical angel off my left shoulder. Now, these were very detailed visions, and the vision is less important, as we explain in the preface of the book, as to what happened afterward. He experienced a depth of desperation and savage uh, anxiety that had driven him for years. And as he gazed at these angels, an incredible serenity filled him. These angels pounded on their anvils, and they sent energy through his entire body. Now, some people would say that's like a kundalini experience, rising energy, and he had this kind of vision. But the point is, he ended up working with people with post-traumatic stress syndrome. He ended up creating uh, some art that, uh, that he shared with others. So it's just one of one of many, as you know, very different kinds of stories. And it's lovely to me that you picked this one to, to mention first. Um, I've done different radio shows, and each host has certain stories that they like, and that says a lot of wonderful things about you, too, I think, Andrea, that you picked this.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, You know, I do think that one of the things about that sacred wound is whether we go into some kind of depth understanding of it or not is that it does lead to something else. You know, it, it brings us to a place where we're... We're actually giving something back because of what we've been through. Our story unfolds into a whole other drama.
0: Well, it's been said that we have to deal with the darkness before we see the light. And, you know, in another way of phrasing it is sometimes the road to heaven leads through, you know, passes through hell. Um, Those of us who've gone through difficulties, um, I've never seen adversity without hidden gifts in terms of uh, an expanded perspective, a sense of compassion, and strength and wisdom. So. Um, every choice eventually leads to wisdom, and we all can relate to that in our own ways.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And what you said uh, a little while ago about everybody's doing just fine I think is so true on, on that other level where we're gaining something from all these other experiences that we're having that may not look so fine.
0: Well, exactly. And, you know, again, uh, to retain credibility here, there may be somebody out there saying, no, my life's not doing just fine at the moment. But transcendentally speaking, it's absolutely going perfectly well, and we need to remember that. The meaning of faith. Faith is the courage to live as if everything that happens is for our highest good and learning. We don't have to pretend to like it at the time. So conventionally speaking, some pretty terrible things can happen. Loss and uh, tragedy is death, uh, you know, the, the earthquake in Haiti, thousands of people died, a terrible tragedy. Conventionally speaking, this is very real. It's tragic. We mourn, we grieve, we hurt for the people's uh, suffering, and we know human suffering. Transcendentally speaking, at the same time, we need to live as if everything that's happening is for our highest good, life unfolding, and we can learn from it and grow. You know, that's why St. Augustine, Said, Lord, I pray not for a lighter load, but for stronger shoulders. And life is a kind of school. We're all here to learn, and we're learning our lessons. So we need that sense of compassion and that thread of attention, um, rather than just viewing it from a conventional tragic way and feeling sorry for ourselves, feeling like a victim, or just in denial, you know, of the challenges of everyday life, saying, "Oh, everything's perfect." You know, we need to know both are true in a sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that you said in The Peaceful Warrior was that the broken heart opens a gate within us, and I think what you're saying is a, is a sort of an unfoldment of that. Yes. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We're talking today with Dan Millman about his book that he co-authored with Doug Childers called A Bridge Between Worlds.
3: Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust, and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A I H T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
2: And we're back talking today with Dan Millman about his book, Bridge Between Worlds. This is a great book uh, that he co-authored with Doug Childers, and it's really just a list uh, I mean, a, a, several different stories of extraordinary experience that changed people's lives. So, Dan, how did you and Doug get together to write this book? How did you come up with this book after the 14 other books you've written?
0: Well, I had written, I think, about nine or ten books at the time, and I was about to start a new project and my books, you know, were published in, I think, something like 29 languages now and been read by quite a few people. And Doug called me. Uh, he lives nearby, and he's a good friend. He's a good editor and writer as well. Um, he's co-authored other books. And said, Dan, I'd love to do a, a book with you. And I said, well, Doug, I get people to ask me that a lot. And I said, you know, I'm doing fine on my own. He said, well, let me come by the house, you know, just, and, and we're friends. So I said, sure, come on over. So he came over, and he, and he said, look, I have this idea for a book. And at the time, it was called Divine Interventions he was really into this arena. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit less involved with that particular um uh, area, but but um he said, "Look, I've already researched 15 stories that are really compelling stories and I know there are many more out there that are well documented." Well, uh, you know, we rejected stories that were obviously just mythology and, you know, were just not credible. But ones that were well documented um and quite credible, we uh we 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 chose to do and uh he would submit stories I would edit him, he would edit me. And we turned out a book that was maybe better in some ways, this particular book, than we might have been able to do on our own. Um, so that's how we ended up working together. It's the only book I've collaborated on, except for a graphic novel. My illustrator and I met this morning. Uh, an illustrated version of Peaceful Warriors is going to be coming out later this year. Um, so those are my only two collaborations. And Normally I work on my own. So this idea, I had the reason I agreed to do it is because I hadn't really addressed in my various books, No Ordinary Moments, The Laws of Spirit, The Life You Were Born to Live, and, of course, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I hadn't addressed this particular issue of mystery and miracles in our lives, that that door that can open or that bridge that can appear between the conventional and transcendental worlds. So that's what I said, hey, let's do it. And we had a great time with it. Um, And 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 the stories in there really uh, vary from... People we've heard about, like Buckminster Fuller. That's the first book in the story. Um, It's a very moving story. Citizen of the Universe, the Transformation of Bucky Fuller. Like many of us have said, oh, yeah, didn't he invent the geodesic dome? Wasn't he an inventor? And he he created the term uh, that we're all crew members on Spaceship Earth, for example. Uh, And his story is in there. uh, But we also have ones, uh, a few of them from uh, the Catholic tradition, uh, from Native American tradition, uh, we have Robert Monroe's story. He was a businessman who ended up traveling out of his body to his shock and did research on empirical research on what was really going on with him and how he was his consciousness seemed to be moving out of his body into other areas of life. Um, and we have uh, the story of Peace Pilgrim. Many people have heard of this amazing woman who walked across the breadth of the United States seven times over 28 years and every province in Canada on foot without a penny in her pocket for 28 years. Um, She only ate if someone offered her food. She only slept where God told her. Sometimes people offered her a bed. Other times she slept on park benches. This is when, after retirement age. So, again, you can see that I'm just giving a flavor for the variety of stories in the book. Um, And and one other thing I'd add, and then you you wanted to speak of uh, one of the stories or or more. But in the very opening of the book, the first page, there's an epigraph. And it's by a fictional character. Um, Those out there listening who've seen the movie Contact, the book was written by Carl Sagan, an amazing book, and the movie was terrific. Jodie Foster was in it. Um, And she plays Dr. Ellie Arroway. And in the movie, uh, she's testifying before a body, and she's saying these words, I had an experience. I can't prove it. I can't even explain it. But everything that I know as a human being, everything that I am, tells me that it was real. I was given something wonderful, something that has changed me forever. And we thought that was an appropriate opening quote to this bridge between the world's extraordinary experiences that changed lives. So there was one story Did did you want me to go into?
2: Yeah, I w- uh, one of them was the, uh, the, the When the Sun Danced with the uh, Miracle at Fatima. About the the children who received a uh, a vision, and they kept receiving it uh, in front of larger and larger crowds. And at first, nobody could see anything. And then eventually, there was a crowd of like seven thousand people or something, seventy thousand people, uh, and they all saw the same miracle: the car, you know, clouds parting and all of that. And I I guess what I wanted to I would talk about was the fact that so many people saw this tremendous. Um, phenomena in the sky and we're healed many many people were healed by it and when that many that number of people see something we tend to validate it to each other but when something happens to us in private we tend to say oh well that was not really a miracle that wasn't really what i thought it was or i ate something wrong for breakfast or something like that um so i guess i wanted to sort of talk about that whole aspect of of the miracle and what, that, what a miraculous event really is and what it means to us.
0: Well, it's true that, that, you know, we have two approaches. And Doug and I actually write about it in the, uh, in the preface. Um, there are believers and there are skeptics. Some of us tend to be believers and, and, uh, and others tend to be skeptics. And skeptics can explain away almost anything. They can say, oh, mass hallucination. They can just throw a phrase out there, you know. And there are psychological studies um, when I remember when I was a psychology major in college years ago, I remember people would go in, there'd be, let's say, eight people would go into this looking at these art exhibits, and they would look at these lights uh, shining in the darkness, and they would be, uh, they, the lights weren't actually parallel, but uh, seven of the eight people would go, well, yeah, look at those lights, how did they get them so parallel? And when later on they asked questions of all the people, and the one shill, the one person there actually not the shill, the one uh, uh, subject, agreed that they were parallel, even though they weren't, because everyone around them was saying they were parallel. So one could explain away mass mass sightings as saying, "Well, it, it just began. Everyone expected to see it, and people next to them said they see it." But you know what? You can only explain away so much. Occam's razor says that. Uh, In any system, the simplest explanation often suffices. If you start going into bizarre lengths to explain away something, um, then it's probably true. Um, And many people who are Catholics know uh, I'm not, but Catholics are familiar with uh, the miracle at Fatima. But basically, for those who aren't, uh, in 1959, Lucia Santos, an 8-year-old shepherd girl in uh, Fatima, Portugal, was reciting the rosary, that's the story, and near her flock when a human form shimmering with a luminous cloud appeared to her. And according to her testimony, the apparition visited her three more times. And as you say, you summarize very well. First, people just didn't believe in some kids, you know, they were making it up or they were just hallucinating. Um, but then um, they, were, they were surprised on May 13th by a flash of light, and they walked toward it, and... Uh, witnesses, other witnesses, saw the children kneel and speak to thin air, their faces transfigured with unearthly light. And the children all saw the Lady of Light as Mary, the Mother of Christ. That's, and maybe someone in India would have seen it as uh, uh, Shakti or you know some other spiritual figure, but that's what they saw. But the following month, 4,500 people watched the children converse with the air. Many heard a buzzing drone. Um, the children revealed several prophecies made by the Lady, all of which came true. And it goes on. I mean, the story goes into more and more amazing things that happen until uh, thousands of people witnessed a silver sun spinning rapidly, throwing off brilliant flames of colored light in all directions. Uh, Fatima, Fatima author William Thomas Walsh interviewed many witnesses and recounted the events as it was described to him. And he said they. While well, and, and I'm not going to go into the vision, but then tens of thousands flung themselves on the muddy earth. Um, And they were literally in fear of their life, praying for their souls, because his vision was so unearthly that they saw. So something went on, and uh, the third uh, Fatima prophecy remains a matter of controversy to this day. Um, The envelope, actually, uh, was, uh, well, I'm not familiar with that prophecy, but again, it's one of those mysteries that comes out of the Catholic tradition, um, and uh, there are a few other stories in here also from that tradition, but... Others that, well, one of my favorites, if, if I can just wax forth for a moment, one of the most outrageous stories in the book, outrageous because it's unbelievable, is called Lighter Than Air, The Extraordinary Feats of a Flying Friar. Mm-hmm. You know, many of us have heard of levitation, and we've heard books about saints who can levitate, but no, very few of us, as far as I know, have seen people float up in the air, uh, other than stage magicians. and. This uh, 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 Joseph of Copertino, again, from the Catholic tradition, uh, was seen, uh, witnessed by f- uh, really hundreds of witnesses, including one pope, r- uh, Spanish royalty, and hundreds of other credible witnesses saw him float through the air, over their heads. Uh, one time he, in, the, in his ecstatic rapture, he floated up into a tree, got stuck up there. They had to, when he woke up kind of out of his rapture, they had to help him down with a ladder. Um, but the thing is, there are 1,000 pages of documentation on Joseph of Cupertino um, and and his faith. Um, so what can you say?
2: Really? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what miracles leave us with, With it, is what can you say? But you just kind of have to go, wow, right. that, that really happened, and that's really significant. And, and look at the changes that are occurring inside me because of it.
0: Well, the mind's like a parachute. It works best when it's open. Yes.
2: that's true that's true yeah and i think you know our listening audience some of them may have had experiences and i would encourage you all to call in or write in email me at andrea andrea matthews com and let me know about your experiences we can talk a little bit about those you can ask dan a question if you'd like uh... by calling in the show or you can email me a question and and i will ask dan for you um... You know the, what we're talking about is one of those mysteries. You know, death is one of those mysteries. Being born is one of those mysteries, and certainly the mar- miracles that seem beyond reason uh, are also part of the mysterious world that we live in. One of the quotes, uh, again, that from um, uh, from the peaceful warrior what it, from Socrates was, "You must go far beyond normal, beyond the usual, common, or reasonable, to reach the realm of the warrior." You've always tried to become seer, superior in ordinary realm. Now you're going to become ordinary in a superior realm. And isn't that just the same thing we're talking about here, that, that we, we can learn to take a miraculous event and bring it into the ordinary and, and bring it to other people and bring it to our lives?
0: Yes, I think it was Einstein who said that um, we can either treat everything as a miracle or nothing as a miracle. And either of those is, uh, is uh, a valid approach to life. Uh, Deep, my colleague Deepak Chopra said it beautifully. I believe he said that um, the miracles of yesterday are the science of today, and the miracles of today uh, uh, may become the science of tomorrow. So we just haven't explained many things yet. So if we can't explain it, we call it a miracle. But mm-hmm. that's what the bridge between worlds is about, that uh, this bridge can open up when will are Yep, Absolutely.
2: Okay, well, we're going to be back in just a few moments to talk some more with Dan Millman. Tune in again.
3: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I
0: ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh. Uh, 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 uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
3: I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance to expect guidance, to trust, and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So, in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1 800 650 4325. In this moment, visit aiht.edu. All my love. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network.
2: Back again with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. This is a college built to help you fulfill your dreams, an interfaith college built to help you fulfill your dreams to serve yourself and your world. All right, Dan, we're, we were talking um, about the stories in your book, The Bridge Between Worlds, and these unbelievable miracles. I shouldn't say unbelievable because they're quite believable, but they're all, also a part of us'. Is, um, holding on to a bit of like wonder about them and one of those stories is vision powers of tunkashila i think i'm saying that right
0: yes Tunkashila. Um, uh...
2: lakota indian um, black elk one of my favorite stories in the book is about black elk and the reason i think it's my favorite you, you, you were we were laughing during the break that perhaps we could do rorschach tests on which stories you like yes <laughs> and well the reason i like this one is because he had to wait to, or actually, he never really saw the outcome of his visions, but there definitely was an outcome to his visions, and he did uh, um, uh, was able to rekindle the American Indian movement and generate a renaissance of Indian spirituality among later generations. So, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about him. Can you do you want to tell that story?
0: Well, he was. Um... Uh, Black Elk was an uh, Oglala Sioux warrior, and uh, there are, of course, many, many tribes. Uh, most of us, when we think of Native Americans, we're exposed to certain images, either either today, people, are, you know, the casino movements and the reservations, or we think back on the tragic history of a people being exploited um, by settlers and the more powerful settlers, which has happened all over the world to different cultures and different points in history. Um, but t- to me, the Native Americans are a-, a spirit. It may be romanticized somewhat because even Native Americans had slaves, and you know they—they they were people. They were real people, not just idealized. But they were close to the earth. They—they they lived with ceremony. They understood the sacred, the idea of the sacred. They didn't have as much of a sense of ownership. We all shared this together. So there were certain archetypal values that our culture today is sorely in need of. And this is not a revelation that I'm sharing. Um, Most of us realize that. So I think maybe this is one reason you like the vision powers of Tunkashila. The fact that he had some visions and that they came true, uh, many people are intuitive. They're foreseeing their psyches have a way of putting different things together and projecting what may happen in the future. But um, he he went through... uh, uh, difficulties. This is sort of an archetypal story, and it's as true as we can research it. Um, but he spent much time in solitude, and, and uh, he, he he told no one about his visions. He said, I wanted to be alone. It seemed I no longer belonged to my people, but to the spirit world. I could not make myself eat much. My father and mother thought that I was sick, but I was not. Only homesick for the place where I had been. You know, there's a saying that, that uh, someone said, I'm afraid of dying, and and someone asked this woman, uh, well, where were you before you were born? And she said, well, I don't know. It's, it's a mystery. And they said, well, you're just going back to the place where you, before you were born. Um, and so that was home for him. That's the place he had been. Uh, he was destined to become like the visionary leaders before him, a warrior, a shaman, uh, a sacred healer of the Sioux Nation. While he was a boy, he actually took part in the Battle of Little Bighorn, General Custer, made his foolhardy charge. So, um, uh, you know, and he heard the warriors crying, hoka hey, it's a good day to die. Uh, uh, Crazy Horse had also received a great vision in childhood. In his case, he was given the power to fight like a spirit warrior uh, whom arrows and bullets could not touch. His vision had given him the power to avoid all wounds in battle. His skin was never broken, even though he often led the charge, where the white soldier's bullets were thick as rain. Like many spirit led souls, Crazy Horse did not fear death. He had foreseen in a vision the exact manner of his death and met it bravely when it came. So, Black Hill himself fought in many battles. He was a warrior. He had seen tragedy, he had seen the real world. Um, in fact, uh, when he saw uh, the Wounded Knee Massacre, he said, I wished I had died too. So, sometimes out of great suffering comes great sensitivity. Not that I recommend it. Um, and, and, but this is what this was the life of Black Elk, and he, he was a very, very important figure to uh, his people and to all of us. That's why it's in the book. Um, you know, Doug has his own story, my co-author, and I also have my story. A- and I think it's a good segue from uh, from Black Elk's story, The Vision Powers of Tunkashila, to uh, a more modern story about this young, middle-class kid who was me, grew up, became a good athlete, I was a world champion, and so on, and... Um, The story is called Hidden Blessings, When Bad Luck Becomes Good Fortune, because I tell the story of when I grew up and, you know, I was just kind of an airhead young kid, you know, in college. And then I was riding my motorcycle rather carefully with a helmet down the street in Los Angeles. I just visited my sister and I was going to be flying to the World Gymnastics Championships uh, a few days later. And I was looking forward to my senior year in college. When a car turned in front of me, going to happen, he didn't see me. It was turning dusk, and I, my motorcycle I couldn't avoid him. Uh, it smashed into the front of his car, and I flew right over the top. It, it's actually very realistically depicted in the in the movie *Peaceful Warrior*. That's you know on DVD now with Nick Nolte playing my old mentor Socrates. Anyway, they showed that crash, uh, and that really did happen. I shattered my right thigh bone in about 40 pieces, the doctor said, and it's quite painful and, and quite disappointing, obviously. But that crash, that broken leg, badly broken leg, um, changed the course of my life. I might not be here speaking with you or teaching. Uh, perhaps, uh, if that hadn't happened, maybe I'd be a sportscaster or something. Uh, so it shook me up. I, upward, let's say, I, I asked bigger questions about life. I wasn't so bulletproof anymore as I thought as a kid. Uh, now, I do not recommend uh, fractures, the method of personal and spiritual growth, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nonetheless, that story is in the book, not just because it happened to me and I'm one of the authors, but because it does convey some good reminders to us about uh, what can emerge, what gifts can emerge from the difficulties we've we've all been through.
2: Absolutely, it, it to to me. It's kind of like there's a river that flows all the time underneath uh, our awareness, and you know, sometimes the tragic events of our lives dip us down into that river, and we become somewhat enlightened or lighter, at least. Um, so that we can see clearer. One of the things that Blackout said in his visions was, Nothing I have ever seen with my eyes was so clear and bright as what my vision revealed. And I think that that's the story of what happens when something new and different occurs in our psyches is that after that, nothing seems as bright or as true as what occurred at that moment.
0: That is so strange that a vision that we can't give. Immediate, and we actually addressed that in the preface to the book as well. Uh, many people think the preface is worth the price of the book. We worked hard on it because, see, when authors write a preface or an introduction to a book, it's not just something to get through. They are trying to set up and capture the spirit of the whole book in that first section. This is what you'll be, you'll be seeing. So we, we do address that, uh, that aspect as well. Mm-hmm.
2: So vision then, you know, when we talk about visions, we, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's kind of woo-woo, that's, you know, we don't want to talk about visions. <laughs> yeah. You know, the skeptical part of us wants to go, well, that's just too far out there. But, you know, we may be having visions every day and just not attending to them.
0: Well, you, actually we do. They're, sometimes they're quick, they're fleeting. Um, but when someone has a vision that they have no solid evidence for, um, and yet it can be, as they say, more real sometimes than what they see with their physical eyes, so that's why we want to pay attention and trust those uh, those inner messages.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I will share this, too. I had an experience many years ago when I was a young single parent, and I took my kids camping, which uh, scared me some because I wasn't too sure about camping, I wasn't too sure about the woods, and I wasn't too sure about being a single mother doing this by myself. But uh, I did it, and uh, we got to this particular campground, and I got up in the middle of the night and... Uh, I saw this this mother and child kind of figure in the moonlight, and I kept looking up at the moon, going, "Yeah, you well, know, that's the moon, kind of making some kind of weird shape in the woods. It just kind of looks like that. I'm having an illusion." And I looked around for a while, looked around for a while, and and finally I said, "No, this is the real deal. I'm looking at something really, inter- you know, superhuman here. I'm not looking at something that's um, that's not that's coming from an illusion." And I. Just stood there for a while and was like in my mind asking, "What are you trying to tell me?" And uh, then nothing beyond that happened. I went back in the tent and then I got in the tent. And I thought well, I was just looking at an angel. What are you doing in here? Get back out there! Uh
0: huh. <laughs> and then
2: by the time I got out there, it was gone.
0: Well, so, that's you know. a perfect example. And what I was I was also looking for a, a, this little piece in the preface. Um, where it says, Our universe may contain many realities, each one operating according to its own internal laws. Our bodies and minds may contain built-in mechanisms and inherent yet latent capacities we don't fully understand that account for spontaneous healings, visionary experiences, and extraordinary abilities. What we call the supernatural may be quite natural after all. Mm -hmm. And some of the most unbelievable stories in this book are also the most well-documented, but in the end, doubts about the reality of the phenomenon described are balanced by the compelling evidence of lives transformed. Must an apparition appear uh, in an outward or tangible form to be real? How substantial is light? How tangible is love? Are angels who appear only in our visions less than real if they transform our hearts and minds and change the course of our lives? So that's one of the questions we, we pose in the preface. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the only meaning I could carry home from that was that in the everyday mundane events of my life when I'm afraid there's somebody out there taking care of me. So there it is. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Well, we're going to be back for our final segment talking with Dan Millman today. And uh, uh, so we'll be back in just a few minutes.
3: awakened media for a transforming world 7th Wave Network over there over there's the water whoosh whoosh and look at all this stuff I'm standing on it's called sand and it's everywhere this woman may sound silly to you and me it's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks teeny little pieces of rocks but to her 2 year old son exploring the world around him (laughs) she makes perfect sense how does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? hmm Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
1: America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA?
3: SkillsUSA is life-changing.
1: SkillsUSA is awesome.
3: SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA
1: empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
2: All right, Dan, this is sad but true, but we're going to be closing out the show in a few uh, minutes, so I want to give you a chance to talk about um, just the events that are coming up for you and anything that you'd like to share with our listening audience about um, your website, your books, anything else that you'd like to share.
0: Well, sure, I would love to, And but let me start with some candid uh, comments that, you know, if somebody is an entrepreneur, if they're working on their own as a massage therapist, as a, a guitarist, a, you know, musician, anybody who's an entrepreneur in their own business, To to be successful, your odds are improved considerably if you're good at two things, if you're good at what you do and if you're good at promoting what you do. And a lot of us don't like to promote. We like to just do what we do well and hope the world will discover us. But we can't serve or help anybody unless they know we exist. So as you well know, um, authors are happy to give up their time. They have a new book out. You can let people know about the book. It's a service to everyone involved and then we uh, offer what we can uh, on, our, on our time together. So I appreciate having the chance to, to mention uh, this new book, Bridge Between Worlds. Um, if people like my work, if they've read other of my books, um, or if they're curious, they can certainly go to my website at
3: peacefulwarrior.com.
0: And People have asked me, you know, what do you mean by peaceful warrior? How can you be a peaceful warrior? It's really about living with a peaceful heart, but the acknowledgement that there are times we need a warrior spirit. It takes courage and compassion both to live in this world, to love in this world. So it's that balance. For males or females, it doesn't make any difference at all. Uh, my seminars over the last thirty years, we have get an equal number of men and women there, uh, reflecting the balance, the idea of courage and love. Um, so peacefulwarrior.com is a you know that's a one-stop uh, area. I have a blog there on many topics, from relationships to meaning of life, all kinds of different. Uh, master-level leadership, all sorts of different uh, child-rearing topics there at my blog, and people can access that easily, and questions and answers if they're curious about how much a peaceful warrior story is true and all that. So um, that's that's the main thing. Um, and other other than that, you know, uh, it's a joy to write these books, and it's wonderful that people have responded over the years and seem to enjoy reading them. It's a gift that I, I share in my own way. So uh, um, beyond that... I'm just happy to share with you and your listeners.
2: All right. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. So I want to sort of close out the show just sort of talking about what our listeners might be able to bring home from our talk today about the bridge between worlds. Um, overall, I guess what we're, one of the things we're saying is similar in it, uh, it's, its profundity to the Peaceful Warrior book, but it brings it out in a whole other way. One of the things you said in the Peaceful Warrior uh, was about the topic was about battling illusions, and I think that's one of the things that this book brings out: is which one is the illusion? Is it the miracle, or our 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 uh, our, what did I say at the beginning? Our pride and our mediocrity that is the illusion.
0: Yeah, well, there's there's that, and also, um, how many times have we heard the phrase even in our childhood? Oh, that's just your imagination. Well, you know, the imagination is a bridge to clairvoyant sight, um, to uh, sensing things in the world most people don't tune into. Uh, You know, we know there are many frequencies of light and sound we don't normally hear, and uh, we're seeing only certain channels on the television set. So um, I think one of the things people can take away from Bridge Between Worlds is a profound trust in their self and their life, and and that help uh, may be there when we least need it forms of healing. We can't predict the form that healing will take, but maybe a body isn't healed, but a spirit is. So um, it's it's a trust in the universe. Uh, I My hope for Bridge Between Worlds is that people who read these stories, taken together, all the variety of stories, will look around, up and around and at themselves and see uh, a world that's a little less mundane than they might have imagined. And That's the purpose of the stories, other than entertainment. Because I know, you know, many of my books. I, again, I've written 14, and each one is considerably different. No ordinary moments. The laws of spirit. Uh, everyday enlightenment. Each one is different. And some clear self-help books give advice. You can say, "This is what you'll take away." I give point one, two, and three. But in Bridge Between Worlds, it's different. It's just if uh, people can sit down and don't have much time to read and read a story a night before bed, or and they, when they finish these stories, about about 35 of them, um, they come away with, "Wow." Life is pretty amazing, isn't it? And it's nice to be reminded of that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and as you said in the beginning, the stories of people's lives are the things that, that's what we've got. That's what we've got is the story of our life. It's the thing that we're using sort of as the tool to find out who we are and what we're doing here. And it's kind of a paradox that we're using our lives to find out about our lives, but it's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is our treasure. And um, if if people write to me through my website, again, peacefulwarrior.com, I'm happy to send out a very encouraging, uh, little, uh, very short essay, it's like a uh, page, um, called Your Life on Paper. Uh, if I had a mission, a literary mission, and I do teach at many writing conferences over the years, um, it's to have people, whether or not they have aspirations for getting it published, you know, their memoir is very popular today, and there's some wonderful writers out there who have done memoirs, from Frank McCord, you know, Angela's Ashes, to to uh, Lit by uh, Mary Carr. There's some wonderful writers out there who... Uh, oh, not to mention Eat, Pray, Love, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert's book. Um, but every one of us could write, and it could be a treasure for future generations to pick up and discover uh, the story of our life. Whether we write five pages or a, a whole book telling about our experience of life, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do because it, we need to value our story.
2: Absolutely. And that's one of the things, again, about Black Elk in your in your book, that uh, he did. He did eventually write down these stories that he, or these visions. I'm sorry that he um, that he had, and ultimately people began to know about those, and it did impact generations later. Yes. So um, you know those that we never know the outcome of of the written word.
0: No, we don't. And I, you know, sometimes um, I'm not going to read the whole list, but but uh, some of the stories in the book, Mysteries of Heaven and Hell. Uh, Science is Magnificent Mystic, which is about Emanuel Swedenborg. Or From Skinhead to Godhead, the Redemption of a Racist. Or uh, Conversion by Lightning, a Prisoner's Sudden Realization. Mind over Matter, from Sickly Child to Superhuman. This is the story of uh, Joseph Greenstein, probably the strongest man who ever lived in modern times. Um, And yet he was born uh, in a shoebox, an uh, impoverished child in Poland, uh, way premature. They never. Nobody expected him to live through the night. So again, it goes on and on about uh, these various, uh, various stories that, that can touch our lives.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we talk about explaining a miracle, that's sort of beyond the realm of our uh, capacity. We, the only way we can explain a miracle is to say um, that it was a miracle.
0: Yeah. We can make up any number of explanations, but they're just stories we make up. In that, in that another kind of story.
2: That's right. That's yeah. exactly right.
0: Meanwhile, we can just rest in the mystery.
2: Yep. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for being on the show today. I've loved talking with you.
0: My pleasure, Andrea.
2: And come back again next week. We're going to be talking about money, 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 money. So tune in again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.